Turn in your Bibles to Titus chapter 3. And um, just been these last couple of months as I've been thinking about this Christmas season, uh, more so even in the past, I, I really am this idea of how to celebrate Christ at Christmas. How, to, how for us, uh, what should we be thinking about? How should we go about doing this? And, and this morning, uh, as we come to the Word of God, uh, once again, one of the most basic truths pounded over and over again in the New Testament as we uh, consider Christ, uh, I'm, I'm reminded that um, what we're doing uh, as we celebrate Jesus Christ, we are not doing something cultural. We're not even doing something so much as a church or even as a family. But we start with that which is personal to us, uh, what Christ means to us. I know there are certain uh, events of the year, days of celebration, that maybe uh, don't mean a whole lot to you. Uh, uh, you, I was wondering, for some of you, do you have this really um, important moving ceremony at your house on Labor Day? You know, most of you don't even know what Labor Day is, right? Uh, you know, my family growing up, uh, my dad was part of a union. And so he always reminded me that this was part of the great working men of our nation. Um, and so we did labor on Labor Day. Um, but, um, but also, uh, you, you think of different days, you know, uh, different days, Martin Luther King Day. Uh, you think of maybe even Veterans Day. Some, some of us, uh, haven't participated in that personally. Others, it's very moving because it's personal to them. Uh, I was thinking about even the day of your birthday. You know, it's very special. I just went through a birthday myself, big one. Um, and this idea that you celebrate that, you don't skip over that because it means something to you. It's something that marks something for you. Uh, and it's only as important as it's important, right, to you. And so this morning, as we go to God's Word, uh, I'm reminded that the reason that we celebrate Jesus uh, is because it's important to us. And as it's important to us, it's important to our marriage. It's important to our raising of our children. It's important to our extended family because it's important to us. Um, and so we look to Titus chapter 2, uh, verse 3. Uh, I'm sorry, did I say Titus? Titus 3 starting at verse 3. If you'd stand in honor of God's Word, I'd like to read to you the section I desire to preach to you this morning. God's Word says this in verse 3. He says, um, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly, through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. 
God, we ask your blessing on your word. Um, we ask that you would mark us in such a way that that it would be personal, that that we would understand where we've been and who, who you've made us and what we have to live for, uh, that you would uh, renew our joy in that. Uh, that you would cause us to quit staring at the things that are wrong that that we don't like and rejoice in that which you've granted for us. God, do your work in your church now as we look to your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. To uh, we look at this passage, verse three, and this is in the midst of Titus, uh, of Timothy, Paul sharing with Titus on how to do church, how to, how to live as God's people. And, um, I don't want to, you know, get you complaining, but how many of you struggle with living, uh, as God's people in a world of people who are not God's, who are sinful people, who are, uh, you know, some of you, you, you know, they, it should have a blood pressure thing on you as you watch the news uh, because you hate it. You hate it. It bothers you and you get all fired up and uh, you read things and, and then you get with your friends like they would calm you down and they don't. You know, you get with your friends and you start talking and you get each other spun up at how bad the world is. And uh, sometimes it's not just the world too. It's family members. It's coworkers. It's people that you... Uh, not just out there that you don't know. It's the people you do know uh, that bother you. This morning, as we look to this passage, realize this passage is one of how for you to live in a world that doesn't love Jesus. Uh, and maybe even say it this way, how do we celebrate Christ in the midst of people that are not celebrating Christ? Okay. And in this passage, the verses that I'm going to look at, I, I just want to start with the unforgettable past. He starts out and he says, for we ourselves were once. He's looking back at, you know, it's a start of uh, a look back. Um, it's not saying, hey, you remember the good old days, right? Uh, that, that's not what he's saying. He says, you remember the bad days, right? You remember what you once were. And this is true for all people. I, I should say for all Christians. There is a past that we have. It doesn't matter if you came to know Christ when you were four or 40. It doesn't matter. There's this uh, before Christ, this is what my heart looked like. And as I came to know Christ, it was changed to be something different. Uh, as we look at this passage, he wants to share with us a clear picture of what your past was like. And my past as well. The unforgettable past. And for some of us um, here this morning, maybe you haven't trusted in Christ. Maybe you're here uh, trying to understand what God has for you. I want to say this is where you are right now. It may not feel that bad, but it is. Uh, and so he gives us a list, really, uh, some have broken this up into seven. I think I have six here. But um, knowing this, this is what the state of your soul is apart from Jesus. And he says this, where we ourselves were once uh, foolish. 
foolish. Um, the foolishness spoken of here, the, the picture that he is giving is that we had no spiritual understanding. We had no spiritual understanding. We didn't, we didn't get it. We didn't get it. The foolish one uh, that is living out this spiritual foolishness, if you will, is living just fine. It's not working. It's not working. But he's living just fine. And he doesn't know how bad it's turning. Like he, there's a sense of frustration and it's not working very well. But the foolishness doesn't allow him. It limits him to not see. It's the idea, um, a lot of times where you will see people who, uh, don't know or love God that they are proud, that they're proud of their ungodly ways, that they love it, that they write books about how you too can live an ungodly life like them. It's usually not the title, but, uh, uh, you know, that, that is, uh, that's the foolishness of having no spiritual understanding. It's as Paul wrote in Ephesians and I believe Colossians as well, that spiritual darkness, spiritual darkness, that uh, it seems you don't get a clear picture of what's going on because you're lost in darkness. This this foolishness that it speaks of. And it's not just that either. He goes on to say um, that verse 3, he says, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, disobedient. Now, uh, the problem with saying disobedient is for most of us is that we say, well, I don't obey anybody. You know, who I'm the boss of my own life. And, and the point of disobedience is this, that we are in rebellion to God. That you may not have a man over you. That's not true. Everyone has a man over them. Everyone has someone over them in this life. But you may find yourself to be independent. That you're a boss. You're not an employee. That you're not, you're the king. You're not the slave underneath. You might find yourself, you may picture yourself that way. But what that really is, is disobedience to God. That him being God and you being his creation that you were designed to worship and follow him. But apart from him, you're disobedient to him. You're in rebellion to him. You're not listening to his voice. You're not hearing his commands. You're not obeying him as a master, uh, that he would be your master and that you would see yourself as his servant slave. You, uh, and, and once again, this is all, right? All. All of us. Um, For we ourselves were once, this is our past. We had no spiritual understanding. We were in rebellion to God. And then it says, it adds, it says, led astray. The picture there is kind of deceived, drawn away uh, from what should happen. I think that most of the time we think of ourselves as making our own path, right? Uh, We're doing our own thing. I want to tell you that, uh, yeah, you might be doing your own thing. You are uh, being led astray. You're being drawn away by your own ideas, being being enticed in this idea of going off the path of God uh, into the destruction of your own life and the lives of others who would follow you. Deceived. Fooled. Fooled into thinking 
that you had a great idea, fooled into thinking that um, you had the best idea of what would be best for your life. He goes on and he says, um, foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures. Now, uh, before we get into the word slave, uh, if uh, if you saw a, a store going up, a huge store, just hypothetically, uh, and uh, immediately, because you're nosy people of a small town, you'd want to say, you'd want to say, hey, I wonder what's going on there. What, what store's coming in? And uh, if someone uh, would say, well, there's a new store, it's, it's one of a kind, you know, it's a store called Passions and Pleasures. And, and 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 most of us, you know, apart from the perversion side of that, but you go, yeah, I have a lot of passions. Like I have these recreations that, like, these are the things that I'm passionate about. My job is just something I do, but I'm passionate about some other things. Or or maybe you say, well, uh, pleasures, the things that I do that I want to do. You say, boy, that sounds like a great store. I want to be a part of that. Um. I want to tell you, passions and pleasures are great uh, until you're enslaved by them. <laughs> until you're enslaved. But, but what he says in the scripture, apart from you were once, you were once enslaved. You're, you're in slavery to what? Your passions and your pleasures. The problem with slavery is you can't get away. You can't get away. You can't stop. You can't say, I'm in charge. I'm going to put that aside right now and I'm going to leave that. It's too much. I, I think that it's too much. I've decided it's too much. So I'll just set it aside. He says, no, you were stuck in it. You were stuck in it. And he says, various uh, passions and pleasures. Uh, it's a word meaning like uh, a myriad or a rainbow, right? Uh, he's including everybody here. And so he's not saying that every one of you was enslaved by every passion and pleasure. He says, Probably you had your own brand. Probably you had your own idea. Like, like maybe as we look in this room right now, that the same things that, that someone else was stuck in, I was not stuck in, but I was stuck nonetheless. And so he says, what? He says, uh, as you once were, what were you? You were enslaved to various passions and pleasures. You were stuck in them. As you think about uh, your life uh, before Christ, and I want to say uh, that he's calling us after we have come to know Christ to remember uh, our unforgettable past, to remember. And by the way, um, remembering our unforgettable past and really our unforgettable heart, not just what we have done, but the way we thought. Those things right there are the key for us to be patient and and have a heart for a world that's perishing. That's the key. Because if you think of yourself as not uh, being having an unforgettable past, you'll have no compassion for those who are stuck in it today. We'll come back to that. He goes on and he says... uh, 
as he he builds upon this. This is a list of uh, of ideas, a picture. He's he's adding details to what it looks like, the old life, the unforgettable old life. He says, passing our days in malice and envy, filling up our time with the evil evil habits of our mind. That word malice uh, is a real general word for all kinds of evil. It's the idea of not just um, the actions that we do, but the thoughts that we have. And, you know, by the way, those thoughts that we have eventually turn out to actions. That's why you should be concerned about some of the crazy thoughts that you have. Uh, Your crazy thoughts, they're going to come out. They're going to come out. They're going to come out in words and actions. But he says, this is the way we passed our days. This is the way we filled our time. Uh, we we fill our time with evil, uh, evil in our heart that turned into evil in our words, evil in our actions, and uh, it's still evil even if it doesn't turn into words and actions. I want to tell you that. I want to warn you about that. He says he says this idea that you were passing your days with malice, but also with envy. The idea of you can't stand somebody else's prosperity, you hate it. Um, part of the problem of the competition of this life and this world is it's fine uh, to have competition if people would spur one another on. But the problem is uh, that we can't stand it when somebody else wins and we lose. Uh, we don't like it uh, when someone gets a new car and we have an old car. We don't like it. Uh, when someone seems to have a better something, anything, than we have. And he says, that's the place where you were before Jesus. Malice and envy. Passing your days, filling your time uh, with those two things. Uh, that does not sound like a good life. That, that doesn't seem like a, a store you'd want to go to. Malice and envy. Uh, you prefer the passions and pleasures. And then lastly, in this list, he says, for we ourselves were once. Uh, and th- this I see as kind of a concluding thought of this list, of kind of bringing it down. What What does this kind of life produce? How does this work with relationships? Uh, it kind of goes like this. Hated by others and hating one another. Hated, hated by others and hating one another. Um, how do you get, uh, how do you win friends? Uh, I want to tell you to have good relationships. Listen to this carefully. This is very important. Um, if you're struggling in relationships, I want to tell you sin, sin doesn't lead to good relationships. Not for your your benefit or the benefit of others. It's not winsome. It's not winsome. I want to tell you that that godliness is winsome. It, and what I what I what I mean by that, it's attractive. It's attractive. That that as any one of us, as we walk with the Lord, as we're changed by Him, as we're displaying the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, you know what happens? We become attractive. I'm not talk, talking about our physical appearance, right? By the way, I think that does follow. Uh, I want to tell you, 
Uh, if you are one that finds yourself in a, a, a sinful place and you're living a sinful life, guess what? Selfishness and pride is not attractive. It's not, it's repulsive actually. It causes others to go, I don't want to be with you. I want to push you away. And really the conclusion of the sinful life is, is found in a life where we're hated by others and we hate one another. Can't stand, can't stand people. I, I, I realize that I don't have any friends. I don't have any relationships. I'm hated. And I'm also hating others. What a, what an awful picture. Um, by the way, uh, that, that's where life ends up. That's where life ends up. Uh, if we choose to live a sinful life, those last days, if they go long, will be awful. Will be awful. Why? Because we've been, the, the sins that we have done have caused others to not want to be around us, to hate us. And in the difficulty of life, we will be mad at the world and everybody in it. This is where it leaves us. Um, joy to the, you know, <laughs> it doesn't seem like a very good Christmas message thus far, right? Uh, some of you are thinking right now, I'm already a little down and I've eaten too much sugar and, you know, and I, I'm, I'm struggling already. And pastor, thanks for doing that for me. You gave me this humdinger of a list uh, that tells me how pathetic my life is. Like what, uh, you know, what what is the, where is the joy? The joy, I already told you what the joy is for we, for we ourselves were once, were once. This is not... For the believer, for, for the one who has trusted in Jesus Christ, this, this is like a, a, a bad picture of the days before Christ. You can look at a, a sinful picture that, that shows you, it identifies you, and it reminds you of all the sins that you have done and rejoice. Why? Because it's not me today. It's not me today. This is a past tense. This is something in the past. Uh, that I don't forget where I was, but I know this. Uh, things changed from that day. Which brings us to verse 4, the incarnation of Jesus, the advent, the, the, the time that we celebrate now. And it says this, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, ah, bursting forth onto the scene. <laughs> You know, uh, it's as dramatic as it could be, right? You look at those six or seven things that I just went over, and those are bad news. That's bad stuff. It it couldn't get any worse for my story, right? Um, uh, some of you say, well, what are you saying? I'm saying this. If they were to make a film of your life, uh, that's what the description would be. Those would be the events, what they shown your life to be about. And it would be as desperate and awful of a movie as you, it would be rated MA or R or whatever that is, okay? Um, and it'd be awful. It'd be a very dark movie, okay? And then Jesus appears. Then Jesus appears. Um, and I, I want to say it this way. Then the Father... Uh, bursts in 
burst in the door. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. It's interesting, and I believe this to be true. I may be wrong, but I believe that it's talking about the Father as being the Savior by sending the Savior. Okay? That God the Father sent as part of His plan. He sent and is a Savior Himself by sending the Savior to us. And and what, why did He do that? Why did He do that? Uh, he did that because of His own goodness and kindness. His own goodness and kindness. And so what, you know, as you think about Jesus coming, what is that all about? It's about God being good and kind to us. Not leaving us stuck in that situation. Not leaving us there. What if He had left us there? What if He had said, you know, they're a mess and I don't want any part of that. I I, I look at that list that they are... You know, they're foolish. They're rebellious against me. They're, they uh, continue to go astray, being led astray. They don't get it ever. What, what if he looked at us and he said, they're enslaved. They keep going back to the same sin over and over and over again. So tired of them. They keep uh, being lost and... Uh, evil deeds and bothered by others' prosperity. They hate one another. They hate it. It's just like the, the hatred of life. They're, they're lost in hate. But it says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, when, when He appeared, um, this, this idea, it doesn't say when Jesus was born. It doesn't say when Jesus was born. It says when uh, when this loving kindness, this God's love for uh, sinful, stuck people, when that appeared, and we go, we know the story, right? It appeared. It's not like, um, it's interesting as we read the Bible, sometimes we look at the Old Testament and we uh, forget that there was a plan of God to send His Son Jesus even in the Old Testament. But sometimes the history looks a little rough, right? It looks pretty awful and as we consider that. And then we see Jesus bursting into history in the New Testament. But know this, that this was the plan of God. That it wasn't just that day that so happened, but it was part of the plan before that day. And then that day came, but that day wasn't all that would was going to go on, right? His life was going to come and he would have this perfect, beautiful, healing, teaching of a life. And then it would culminate in that amazing gift of him going to the cross and then rising again and then ascending and leaving and promising that there would be gathering of his followers to himself in heaven forever. As you look at that, you realize that that appearing, that appearing, that uh, that goodness and loving kindness of God is wrapped up in what Christ did for us. He bursts through the door and saves the day for souls like me and you. Which leads us to number three, or uh, third point. Verse five, he saved us. He saved us. Saved. Uh, we were lost. 
We were lost. We were stuck in that lostness. But it says in verse 5, He saved us. He saved us. I like the way it says it. We didn't get saved. Uh, We didn't save ourselves. It just didn't happen by chance. He saved us. He reached down in our mess, in our being stuck in sin, and he saved us. And if you didn't get it, uh, Paul continues to write, inspiration of God, right? Not because of works done by us in righteousness. I, I want to make it clear this morning. If you are saved, you are once stuck. You are once stuck. Lost. You are, you are lost. Couldn't get out yourself. And if you are saved this morning, that was once you. But I also want to tell you this. If you are saved this morning, it wasn't because you did anything. It wasn't not one act of your righteousness. Not one. It wasn't um, uh, that you did. It was that God and His love for you did in His Son, Jesus, really through the Holy Spirit. We're going to get to that in a moment too. But, But know this, know this. He saved you. He saved you. Not because of works that you had done in righteousness. It wasn't because you had done good deeds. It wasn't because you, you, you had any amount of effort on your part. It was because of the complete work of Jesus on the cross. Think about that. Dwell on that. Um, by the way, he didn't give you the starter kit. When you got saved and you say, well, I got to go finish this. You know, I'm the one like my salvation really isn't complete. He 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 kind of saved me, but I got to go do the work myself after this. No, he saved you completely. He saved you completely. As you're saved, as you perish, you will not perish, but have eternal life. The moment in time that you come to know. It's not us, uh, but what is it? Uh, verse 5, but according to his own mercy. What was the basis? What was the, the motivator, the fuel behind it? The mercy of God poured out on you in his son, Jesus. It, it was that he was merciful to you. And that word mercy always should point us back to the, to the fact that we were guilty that we deserve something greater, that we deserved his punishment. But instead, based upon his mercy, he saved us. We deserve something different. And yet uh, he loved us so much and he cared for us even when we were lost, lost, lost. His own mercy. Well, let's look at the repercussions of his visit. Let's look at uh, where this landed us, some of the details. Uh, verse 5, once again, we look at this and we see this, that He saved us not because of works done in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Uh, I find it interesting that this is one of those passages that you see uh, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in one passage. And what is the project? It's our lost soul that that you bring these elements in, that they're working together and they're working to redeem us, to bring us away from our lostness. 
by the washing of regeneration. Love it. The idea of washing, obviously, of being dirty, that we were dirty apart from Jesus, but we were washed because of what he has done. But the, the regeneration, the regeneration, the idea of um, being made alive, being made alive. Uh, we, we looked at in the previous weeks over and over again, this idea that we were dead in our sin. But uh, he makes us alive, but not just alive. He couples regeneration and renewal and renewal, being made new again, being made new again. The work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it says, for whom he richly, uh, he poured out in us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Verse 7, what, what other repercussions? That he has made us right and rich forever. So that being justified by his grace, as we, as we see that, uh, you know, those, those were marks against us, right? Those were actual things that were on our list of things that we did wrong. Those were truly ours and truly wrong. And how do you get those made right? Justified by his grace. Taken care of. It wasn't just that the receipt was crumpled up and says, forget about it. He says, I paid for it. I paid for it. And how did I pay for it? Ah, Through the death of my son, through the work he did on the cross. And and we've been made right, but also rich forever. Uh, By his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. As you think about the riches that you have in Jesus, what he has done for you, uh, and I say done for you, but make make sure that's clear in your mind. This is not our works. This is not us going and grabbing and earning, but that he did for you. What did he do for you? He made you an heir. And forever you will experience the riches that are found in God's household as being part of his family. We're not just right, but we're rich forever. Three things this morning as we remember this passage. First one is this. Rejoice. Don't be sad. Don't be sad. Be careful. Um, and uh, I think all all people are pr- prone to this. All people. Um, some of us have a, a master's degree or a doctorate in complaining. You know, we can we can pick apart anything. We we can say you know that was great, but we can do that. I want to tell you what that is. It's us being like a spoiled kid on Christmas that Santa didn't bring us what we wanted. I want to tell you, rejoice, rejoice. Um. Don't be sad. Um, Discouragement, depression, uh, you know what that comes from? It's from staring at the wrong things. Uh, What stood out to me about that song, behold, behold. The the point of uh, beholding Jesus and what we're going to be talking about on Christmas Eve is that if we stare at Jesus, it doesn't matter what the other stuff, what's happening with the other stuff. If we find our riches in him, 
the other stuff that's out there, we're, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. I want to tell you that our discouragement is staring at the wrong things. So rejoice, don't be sad because of what Christ has done for us. Secondly, rejoice in the scars of the past, of the past, knowing that because of Jesus, they are over. They are over. Don't worry about your past. Don't worry about your past. Some of you don't want to think about it. I say, think about it a lot. Think about it a lot. But think about it a lot in light of Jesus. Rejoice in your past because it's over. It's over. It's done with. Uh, that's a, a past chapter and it's been closed because of Jesus. And lastly, as we look at uh, the world around us, that we would have joy-filled pity and patience with the world that's perishing. Those three Ps, by the way. I'm just pretty impressed with myself. Uh, patience and pity for a world that's perishing. Because of the joy that Jesus has brought us, we can look differently at a world that doesn't agree with us. We can look differently at people that are acting wrong. We can look differently at even persecutors. Why? Because you were stuck there too, and I would have been stuck there too. And given a different uh, plan for my life that God wouldn't have entered in, I would have been right next to them. And so as we look at a world, we have joy-filled pity and patience, knowing that they're, that they're perishing. That's why they're acting that way. That's the course of their life. Hopefully that, that's helpful for you as you think about enjoying uh, this Christmas season and celebrating Christ because of what he has done in our behalf. Please join with me in prayer. God, thank you so much for this morning. And I pray that your word would be an encouragement to us. Help us to have ears to hear. Help us to take your word and apply it to our situation. What's going in our lives right now. Lord, I pray that you would give us grace, mercy, fuel for the day, uh, perseverance in light of things that, that we don't like or uh, that kind of pollute our way of thinking. Lord, I pray that you would overwhelm us with the joy of Jesus Christ and what he has done. God, thank you for what you've done. Help us to dwell on this now. We pray this and we rejoice in this because of your son, Jesus. Amen.